What is going on you guys? Welcome to the video. Today we are going to be covering semiconductor ETFs. I have three options that I want to share with you guys. We're going to compare and contrast. Actually, just last week in our Discord, one of our students mentioned one of the ETFs that we're going to be covering today. And it really got me thinking. In fact, it spurred me to do some research over the weekend on a few various semiconductor ETFs. I want to share that research with you guys today. Because actually, if you were to look at my portfolio, as some of you may know, if you're following me over on Blossom, by the way, massive milestone today. We just passed a thousand followers over there. So that is just freaking the coolest darn thing. For those of you that have checked out and been leaving good feedback, you guys are the best. Link down below for that. Nevertheless, one thing that I am lacking in my portfolio is semiconductor exposure. As we'll talk about when we go over the pros and cons, this industry does tend to be quite volatile. It's quite cyclical and I've never really felt a whole bunch of comfort investing in, let's say, an NVIDIA or whatever the specific stock was, this case scenario of essentially playing the field via an ETF and kind of mitigating that risk, uh, the, the, the exposure that you have to an individual stock, this is something that's right up my alley and I'm actually very, very juiced up about it. So I'm excited to share this with you guys. I will just note one additional point. The three ETFs that we cover today are all US listed ETF. So they're not Canadian providers. They're not provided and traded on a Canadian exchange. As we will see, these are American based. And this does happen. You will come across this more and more as you get more nuanced in the types of uh, ETFs that you're looking for. I do typically like to advocate for picking Canadian funds when possible, but this is one of those scenarios where if the options are limited in the Canadian market and the selection available just isn't quite there, it does make a lot of sense I believe in a case like this to go seek a US listed ETF. But nevertheless, we're going to talk about that uh, in this video today. For those not familiar with semiconductors, I'm not much of a tech guy in and of myself, but what we need to understand is that the world runs on these semiconductors. They rely on these semiconductors and I don't care what industry you're talking about, whether it be automotive and you think about the technology and the gadgets in your, in your, in your car, for example, whether we're thinking of computers or smartphones, of course, data storage, you name it. The semiconductor industry plays a critical role in our lives as we know it today. And without a doubt, the data is showing us that this is an industry with significant tailwinds, increasing demand, on the screen, what you're looking at are just a couple of studies that have been done on the expected growth with this semiconductor industry. They're estimating that by 20, 2031, excuse me, 2031, this is an industry expected to reach $1 trillion in revenue. That's with a T. This is without doubt an integral part of our lives. And like I said, I feel I am lacking within my portfolio with the exposure. So as touched on, what I believe a benefit to using a semiconductor ETF is that it does reduce the risk while giving us exposure to this field. And it reduces the risk of, of, of investing in an individual stock and having all of your kind of money in one place. We can essentially play the field get our exposure to this space via a semiconductor ETF. Now, let's move to the cons because as mentioned, as exciting and as, as revolutionary as this industry is and how it's taking our world by storm, one thing that I think is must be considered is that this is an industry that is cyclical. And if you do follow any of these chip uh, provider stocks, these chip manufacturers, these semiconductor companies, you will expect to see big fluctuations and high volatility. I think of NVIDIA as a stock I've had on my watch list for the longest, longest time. And it is not uncommon to see 50, 60, 70% swings. They are highly volatile. And for a lot of people, 
that might not just be a position that you, you're willing to stomach. Not to say that the ETFs can't fluctuate and as we'll look at, they, they do. But an ETF would, of course, help spread out and mitigate that risk in a sense. Another con that is worth mentioning is that this industry does have elements of political risk. And especially for those of you that have been following the news as of recent, we are seeing some pretty notable crackdowns on chips and, and the rules and regulations around buying these chips or sourcing these chips, particularly out in China. In fact, Asia plays a huge part in the semiconductor field. Taiwan being really the main one, but Taiwan and Korea, those two countries make the vast majority of chip revenue globally. Now, what we're seeing is that America wanting to you know bring that back in-house. We don't want to be relying so much on these other nations. But that is one thing that I would point out is that this industry as of today does have high exposure to the global markets, in particular Asia. I actually saw an article literally this morning on Apple, I believe it was, just talking about their transition and how they're making changes within the business to hopefully become more and more, um, I guess you could say less reliant, but that's just not the reality of it. They get every, our iPhones are, are built and made in China. Just FYI, there is that exposure. A, a third con that I would like to point out is there is a lot of competition and there are a lot of chip providers out there. If we're looking at chips in particular, why this is important to me is that if you are looking to invest in individual stocks, there is a big element of that guessing game and who will be superior, who will reign supreme. I remember during COVID for anybody that's into video gaming, like I am a little bit here and there, but you know, Warzone 2 just came out. So a little bit, there is a constant and ongoing battle of what is the best product out there, which one is superior, whether that be, you know, in your video games, graphics card, whether that be in your computers, what is the best chips? These obviously impact our decisions on a consumer level, but more important for competition is when you have these big providers, these massive companies that are sourcing, you know, via big, 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 big contracts with these companies, there's not a whole lot of loyalty in terms of who they stay with. You know, everyone's fighting to get that next contract. Everyone's fighting to work with the big dogs. And it is just a tricky field to be in is what I'm saying. If you're playing in this field, you need to be constantly innovating. You need to be constantly attractive and adapting. And that what I would say is potentially a con to going out and investing in these individual companies because who's the winner gonna be? Well, that actually then leans back on why I, again, believe a great way to play this is via uh, an ETF. But with that overview kind of done with, and I'd love to hear your comments down below on what your opinions are top level on the semiconductor industry. Is it something you should be owning? Does it deserve a spot of your uh, in your portfolio? Like the same way I'm looking at it, like kind of treating it as, as its own little pie. I do believe it is. But nevertheless, let's go into a few uh, options here, starting with number one, which was the ETF that I was actually brought aware with. I will zoom in here for you guys, but it is called the Van Eck Semiconductor. I'm just going to put SC ETF. So that is the Vanek Semiconductor ETF. The ticker we'd be looking at, by the way, here, guys, is SMH. Again, a US listed ETF. Let me just step aside over here. This one holds 25 different holdings. The management fee comes in at 0.35%. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And in terms of size, when I say size here, I'm basically talking about net assets uh, within the fund. That's a good way of indicating, you know, how much demand there is, how much money is in this fund. This fund sits at about $7 billion. So not a massive, massive fund. I mean, $7 billion is a lot of money, but in comparison to, you know, a Vanguard or iShares funds, which has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions. Seven billion is still a, a more nuanced niche fund at the end of the day. Now, what is unique and what do we need to know about product SMH? First thing that comes to mind with me, I'm gonna pop this up, which is right on their website. Portfolio may include both domestic and US listed foreign 
companies. Now they all do in an element own foreign companies, but it is primarily a fund looking at US companies in the semiconductor field. But what we know with SMH is they do have a higher exposure in particular to one company, which is Taiwan Semiconductors, ticker TSM. If you guys saw the news, we saw big Warren Buffett buy $4 million, uh, billion dollars, excuse me, of Taiwan Semiconductor uh, literally within the past week. Well, it was announced in the past week, but it was looking back at the previous quarter. This one comes in at the largest weighting of this ETF, sitting at about 9.88%. Coming in next, you have exposure to NVIDIA, probably spelled that wrong, at 9.11%. And then coming in next, we have ASML Holdings, very, very big player in the space. This one comes in at about 5%. This will actually make a lot more sense when we go through the other ETFs and then look back and review. But really the key standout here with this one is you're looking at a 10% weighting to Asia, uh, Taiwan Semiconductors, a stock that I believe is trading at a good value, but that is something to consider whether you want to be exposed to this market or not, because this ETF in and of itself by far of the three has the highest uh, global exposure, the highest exposure to Asia. Clearly, if you are a fan of Taiwan Semiconductors, this may be the play, seeing how you are overweighted to it relative to the others. If you don't want to invest in Asia as much and you are very, very uh, you know, concerned about, for example, things like the political risk, this may be one to overlook. In terms of the MER, as we'll see, very, very fair. This is right in the range of what I expect you would pay for an ETF when it does get more specialized, but 0.35, it is not the most expensive on our list. Nevertheless, these are some notable things that I'd like to talk about with SMH. Number two, we are jumping over to iShares, one of the most popular uh, and known producers of ETFs. This is the iShares Semiconductor ETF. The ticker here is socks like the white socks or the red socks. S O X X is what we'd be looking at here. Number of stocks. We see five more holdings. This one has a total of 35. I mean, excuse me, 30. The MER is slightly higher coming in five basis points above. So similar ballpark. Again, I would consider those relatively same at the end of the day, but if you're very finicky, this one is slightly higher in terms of asset size. We're looking at 6.6. .6. So a very, very similar looking fund. Of course, we are looking at a very, very well-known incredible provider here. If you weren't as comfortable with a product such as a Vanek product, being an option in the semiconductor field, you are obviously going to have a lot of overlap, but to look at the top holdings here, we see a slightly different breakdown coming in with uh, number one, we have Texas instruments rather than the TSM. This one makes up about 8% of the portfolio coming in at number two, we have Broadcom at about 8% of the portfolio. And then coming in at number three, we have Nvidia. This makes up about 7.7% percent of the portfolio. I honestly don't even know why I'm writing these at this point anymore because I don't believe you guys can read that very well. But what I do want to point out here, if this is on the screen, they do still have exposure to a company such as TSM coming in at 3.58%, but a very drastic difference coming in at 10% of the portfolio versus three. We could argue that this ETF is primarily focused and just emphasizes the exposure to the American market. Long story short, my takeaway here, very similar fund, very similar fees, very similar in size, obviously the very credible provider of iShares, but this is a fund that would give you less exposure to Taiwan and Asia if that was something up your alley. Moving on to our third and final product, which if this was up your alley, this may be even more up your alley. It is the Invesco Semiconductor ETF. Ticker here is SOX Q. Okay, so very similar socks and then socks Q is the one provided by the provider Invesco. We're looking here at 30 holdings. The MER is what really jumps out to me, to me here coming in at 0.19. So by far the cheapest, if we will, uh, fee 
embedded into these products of the options that we are covering today. And net assets, actually, this is what I found confusing. As part of my research, I was digging through the prospectuses, I was digging through the fact sheets. I was struggling to find the net assets on this fund uh, on their on their webpage. If you guys know down below what, what it is, uh, please do, do let me know because I couldn't quite find it. Uh, they're usually very easy to find up on a company's fact sheet, but I scoured and scoured and I did struggle to find that. And I think that makes sense. This fund, if you do look at the inception date, uh, this is a newer fund. So this is the cheapest fund of the bunch. It is also the newest fund of the bunch incepted here in 2021 versus these have actually been around for you know, 10, 20 years. And maybe they just aren't quite providing, providing the data on that yet. But these two funds, again, I would co compare as more uh, comparables because if we do look at the breakdown, we have Texas Instruments again coming in at the largest holding, 8.7%. Number two comes in with Broadcom once again. Number three, we see exposure to Qualcomm coming in at about uh, 8%, 7.98, excuse me. Let's just round that up to 8%. So again, of their top holdings, we see less exposure to uh, the, the global markets. However, up on the screen, what you are looking at is about 88% is US focused. Combined, you're getting about 10% into international exposure, a pretty even weighting amongst China, the Netherlands, and uh, Taiwan. I will just remind you a nice little tool to add to your arsenal that's useful in a time like this is an ETF uh, comparison tool. There are a number of these online, but the one I've always used is this, where you can literally go in and punch in the tickers and see the overlap in terms of the holdings, make all sorts of comparables. When you're comparing uh, ETFs like this, it's a very, very valuable resource to at least go through as you guys are doing your additional research and as you're doing your additional due diligence. I hope what I've been able to display here is just an overview of three really of, of the top choices. And if you are bullish on this entire industry, it's not to say that this one's gonna suck and this one's gonna be great. They all should benefit. Or if things continue to struggle, because if you look at the numbers recently, there is some slumping numbers globally. Again, short term, in my opinion, kind of bound to uh, when you think about how much of a pent up demand there was from COVID and all of these uh, supply chain issues, it had to slow down. But that doesn't mean that over the next decade, this isn't going to be an area to be in. If you feel this is a good area to be in, what I'm trying to say is that all of these ETFs should benefit. They just have their nuance. SMH is likely the play if you want to have that higher exposure to the global markets iShares, I would say, is probably your old reliable option for those less favorable, uh, less interested in investing here. You are paying the highest fee, but of course you're investing in iShares product, which a lot of people do seek comfort in. They do tend to migrate to iShares and Vanguard products. Absolutely. If you wanted to go for the newer fund, the cheapest fund of the bunch, again, these two are quite comparable in my opinion, just a fraction of the cost. You are investing with the ESCO, <coughs> Invesco um, Sox Q. If it were me personally, just to share and wrap up this video, and again, I am in the process, like I am currently doing my due diligence. I haven't pulled the trigger yet because I don't like to you know, buy things right away. That's kind of a rule of mine is when I see a good idea, I do my research, I give it a bit of time. And like I said, it's been uh, no, no more than a week. So there's no rush for me, but I do believe I will ultimately add one of these. I personally, as you guys know, would lean to this option here. I think it's very, very, uh, to me, optimistic that you see Warren Buffett, greatest investor of all time, investing in a, a product, a company such as Taiwan Semiconductors, despite the invasion, despite all of the uh, the fear that the North American media paints over there. Uh, you guys don't have to agree, but again, topic for another discussion. I, I, this is the fund that is obviously the most exciting to me. That said, when you factor in my personal portfolio, which again, you can check out on Blossom, which is linked down below, which I'm happy to share with you guys and whatnot. You guys already know that I, I'm at my exposure that I want when it comes to Asia. I own Tencent, I own Alibaba, 
And do I want to pick a fund that has a 10% exposure to more Asia? I do, but I also, I have to be responsible as an investor and I probably would then, I'd have to really reconsider it. And again, this is the process that I'm going in, but that's where everyone's investing situation comes into play. I'm just sharing with you guys what I would consider doing. You guys know your situation better than, than, than everybody else. These two funds then come next in mind, obviously. And for me personally, I would probably go with the Invesco fund. I'm not against investing in a new product that just came out, especially if it's cheaper, but that's just uh, me personally. I'm also a big fan of Invesco. I've actually invested with them over the years uh, with mutual funds. I believe uh, an ETF here or there over the years. So I have no issue with any of these three, but I'd love to hear what you guys think down below. Again, I'll thank one of our students, Max, who, who brought this to my attention and I hope you guys like uh, me sharing my, my thoughts and uh, you know research here. I'm genuinely curious to know from our follower base here, how many of you guys do prioritize investing in semiconductors? Like, do you view this as an area you want exposure to in your portfolio? You could just look at it as your overall tech exposure. To me, I almost look at tech and then I want within that a subcategory, a sub tranche is direct uh, semiconductor exposure. Again, I'm sitting at very little, if that, uh, actually none, if you look at direct exposure, which is why, again, this is top of mind for me and I'm happy to kind of uh, share my thoughts here. But yeah, leave a comment down below if you guys enjoyed, give this video a big thumbs up. As always, make sure you are, are subscribed. And if you did enjoy this content, you wanna learn more about the stock market, check out uh, the Investing Academy. So that is that first link down below. If you're in the market for courses, uh, training, uh, community, we work with Canadians all over the country, teaching them from scratch. So you could be a complete beginner. You could know nothing about the stock market and we will walk you through step-by-step step with our process. That is that first link down below. Would love for you guys to check it out. But as always, I thank you guys for watching. Hope you enjoyed and I'll see you in the next video.